the Cannabis Heals Me podcast, episode 68. You're listening to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast, where we explore the real stories of real people who have discovered the profound healing properties of the cannabis plant in their own lives. Find more at CannabisHealsMe.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. This is your host, Rachel Kennerly, coming to you once again from the Storybook in Studios. Now, you guys may have noticed, maybe you didn't, you may have noticed that we didn't have an episode on Thursday of last week. And the reason is I just didn't have time to get an episode recorded and out on time on Thursday. Now, I've told you guys a couple of times in the past that I work for myself and I also homeschool my son. We started our homeschool year on Tuesday of last week. And just with that and the craziness of being out of town for three days going to the Texas Marijuana Policy Conference, I just didn't have time to get an episode scheduled for our Thursday podcast. And it seems as though life is going to be pretty hectic with the homeschool schedule. So we probably, going forward, will not have an episode on Thursday every week. I may have to move back to like a once every other week or maybe once a month schedule as far as our Thursday educational episodes go. Still want to do the medical cannabis stories that we tell on every Monday, but our Thursday educational episodes, I'm just going to have to scale that back because there's only so many hours in the day. And as much as I love doing two podcasts a week, my son's education is a priority over the podcast. So I'll get those Thursday educational episodes out as I am able to do them. But for right now, I'm thinking that schedule is going to be more like every other week as opposed to every week. And then depending on how hairy this this semester gets, it may be more like once a month. But I'm really hoping that I can stick with an every other week schedule for our Thursday episodes and still do one podcast a week for our medical cannabis stories. That is the plan going forward, at least until we have some sort of break with homeschool. If you have not done so, if you have not done so already, why don't you go ahead and go out and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast catcher. And while you're out there, go ahead and give us a rating and a review. That helps boost our numbers and it will actually recommend, and your podcast catcher will actually recommend our show to people who listen to other similar shows in health and wellness or maybe cannabis related. So go out and give us a rating or review and help us goose our numbers up and get the word out to more people about these amazing stories. Now, speaking of amazing stories, I have another one here for you today. We're going to be joined by Greg and Stacy Fowler. I heard Greg tell the testimony of his daughter's use of cannabis to help with her Tourette syndrome and went up to him after the event at the Texas Marijuana Policy Conference where he shared that story. And I invited him on to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. He asked me, he said, would, would you like Stacy to come on and tell her story? And I was like, well, yeah. So I'm really stoked that both Stacy and Greg are going to come on and share Stacy's story with us. It's a great story of a very resilient young lady. And I feel like such an old person every time I call somebody a young lady. But she, she is a young lady. So I guess it's appropriate. But still, she's really a great... I don't know. It's probably insulting to her if I call her a kid. But a great kid and she's worked really hard to overcome 
the obstacles that were put in her path by Tourette's. But thanks to cannabis, she's actually been able to resume normal teenage activities and she's back on campus with her peers. And then she's also an ambassador. She's been to Washington, D.C. and talked to Ted Cruz. And she spent a lot of time down at the Capitol last year talking to our local representatives and telling them what an incredible difference cannabis has made in her life. So she's going to come on today and share her story. Her dad, Greg, is going to come on with her, kind of give us his perspective on Stacy's journey but really excited to have this young woman on to tell her story and thankful she and Greg are willing to go out and tell her story because they live in Texas like me. And it's kind of scary to come on and talk about using full plant cannabis oil in order to heal your medical condition because that's still illegal here in the state of Texas. So I'm very glad that they decided to come on to the podcast and talk to me today. So without further delay, here they are. Welcome back, everyone. We are pleased today to welcome Greg and Stacy Fowler to the program. Guys, we're glad to have you on. Thank you. We're glad to be on. Now, I had the great pleasure of meeting you guys at the Texas Marijuana Policy Conference. Greg, you were on a panel and sharing Stacy's story, and I, I talked to you afterwards, and then you said, well, Stacy would love to come on and tell her story. So that was really exciting to me because I've never had somebody Stacy's age come on and talk to me before. So, Stacy, you're the first. I like being able to share my story. That's why I became a Threads Youth Ambassador, is so I can share my story and just try to spread awareness and stuff. Yeah, I think it's great what you're doing, and it takes a lot of a lot of courage, I'm sure, to go out there and talk. Do you mostly talk to kids, or is it mostly adults when you're out talking to people? Well, so far, I've really only talked to adults about this kind of stuff. I've really only gone to my grandfather's church and I spoke to his church and I told my story and told him all, uh, told him about my story and yeah. How did that go at the church? That went really good. They, they're a great group over there and they were really accepting and it was good practice was to start off with them. Yeah. It's kind of nice to start off with friendly faces. Yeah. Stacey also does some, uh, she's done some things like fundraiser. She made some bracelets, like some Tourette's awareness bracelets, uh-huh. and sold them at her school and uh, donated the money to Tourette's Texas for them to have a party at Morgan's Wonderland in San Antonio. Now, is that the is that the special needs camp down there in San Antonio? Yeah, it's a uh, amusement park for people with special needs. And they have uh, rides and all kinds of water parks. Yeah, it was kind of like a water park and uh, like a fishing pond and all kinds. They got all kinds of stuff. It was, it was a good day. Is that y'all's first time to go down there? Oh, yeah. It was our first time. I had never even heard of it until the Trents Association was like, oh, well, our San Antonio group wants to go here. And that's what we're going to do with the money you donated is ta- be able to take some families and pay for their way to get to go there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's let's go back in time a little bit and kind of tell people your story of when you were diagnosed with Tourette's and and kind of what life was like after your diagnosis and then, you know, if you can just kind of tell us the progression there if if you remember that far back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little ways back. Um well, uh I guess I, it, I would say start in like junior high 
when your tick started getting bad. Yeah. Bad. Well, like he said, they really got bad. Like my eighth grade year is when they really started getting like noticeable, and they were just getting worse and worse. It seemed like with every month and stuff. I mean, I started off with just like so shoulder shrugs and just like it. Sometimes it looked like I was just having a chill. But then it just happened so much that it was, like, noticeable, like, why are you doing that so mm-hmm. much? That kind of thing. And it really just progressed over the summer from eighth grade year to my ninth grade year. And it went from just, like, shoulder shrugging and having chills to, like, hitting myself. And my neck was twitching and I was throwing my head all over the place. And my legs would kind of just give out because i for some reason, they just would just give out and I'd have to like fall to the floor or do something like that. Then I started my freshman year and at first I was just taking it day by day. We were still trying to figure out what it was. We had seen a neurologist, but she told me it was probably just my anxiety. And she gave me some anxiety medication and sent me on my way. Let me interrupt real quick, if you don't mind. Had you, at this point in ninth grade, had you been diagnosed with Tourette's or were they still trying to figure out what was causing these tics? Yeah, let me see if I could answer this. Because uh, she started out, like she said, just with like some head shakes and shoulder shrugs. And it went from just being a little bit every once in a while to like three or four times a day to like three or four times an hour. And then all day, every day. So in that time, you know, we had taken her to our family doctor and then who recommended we go to a neurologist. And so we were already starting to try to see specialists, you know, which is hard to do from our area, which is really rural. So we had been to uh, see a couple of doctors and several of them pointed out that ticks can be just caused by stress. And so uh, the first round of medicines that she got were all like antidepressants and anti-stress medicine and stuff like that, which really didn't uh, do much to slow her her ticks down. Now, Stacey, they gave you the the antidepressants. Did you feel like you were anxious or or did you, you were like, well, I'm not really anxious. It's just these ticks are causing me to be anxious. Yeah, I mean... I've always had like an anxiety disorder, but it wasn't anything different than my normal anxiety. Like, honestly, I know some people like are nervous about going into freshman year, but I didn't really care that much. I mean, we have one school district in our entire county. And so I knew all the people that were going to be there. I mean, it wasn't like she was going to be around any new people or anything like that. And anxiety is part, there's a lot of co-occurring conditions with Tourette's Mm -hmm. and anxiety is a big one. Most, most all people who are eventually diagnosed with Tourette's have anxiety issues. So to say, was one was the ticks caused by the anxiety, or was the anxiety caused by the ticks? It's kind of like the chicken or the egg. Yeah. You don't you don't really know which one causes which, but obviously, I would say as a parent, it seemed that having the ticks getting to be so bad in eighth, ninth grade, fourteen years old, that that causes a lot of extra anxiety. So it it. It didn't help either way. So they they put you on the antidepressants, and then did that help at all? Did you see your symptoms decrease, or did it have any effect whatsoever? It didn't really do anything, to be honest. I just felt like I was just taking pills just to take pills. I mean, it was just 
what the doctor told me to take, and so I just took it like they told me to. And then during that time, did the ticks get worse, or were they about the same? I mean, yeah, they were starting to get a little bit worse. I mean, I don't know what it was, but for some reason, they just decided at this time, this is the time where they were going to get worse and to start progress. I mean, I had started cross-country during the summer, so doing that, and then I noticed, like, at first, I didn't even tick when I was running and stuff, but it seemed like as time went on, I would start ticking more and more while running. And So when you went back to the doctor, and did, did you tell her, this isn't really helping, I'm actually getting worse, and then what was the doctor's response? Well, we didn't go back to the doctor. We actually, we called her, and uh-huh. we told her what was going on, and they told her, they told my parents to take me to... Yeah, well, yeah. In that time, there was actually a couple different doctors, like I said, that we had been seeing. And our our family doctor was someone who we spent a lot of time with, and she was the one that actually said, you know, hey, none none of these medicines are, you know, trying to treat the anxiety of it. This doesn't really seem like it's working. Maybe I should go to Texas Children's. Because her her symptoms were getting much worse and more frequent. It was not one of those things where you would see her tick for a little bit and then she'd go a while and you wouldn't see anything. It was just getting to be more and more constant and more parts of her body. Yeah. As the days went on, we we were taking the medicines, like she said, and she was getting much worse. And it was our doctor... Our family doctor, not the neuro, not the neurologist that we had been seeing, that suggested that we take her to Texas Children's. How did that first visit to Texas Children's go? Well, they actually admitted me into the ER, and from there, like I was pretty bad. I mean, by this time, like my vocal tics had gotten pretty bad, and I was like saying Snickers over and over again, and couldn't yeah. stop. She would say Snickers. Probably about three to five hundred times a day. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was just one of those things, just like Snickers, Snickers, Snickers. Just completely uncontrollable, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's just un- uncontrollable, and yeah. it, you know, it, when people think about like Tourette's, people thing yell out things mm-hmm. and the words and stuff they say. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what's going on or you know, what's around right then, it's just a word that just feels like it's a release and she feels the tension until she lets that release out. Yeah, it would play like over and over again in my head until I would say it. So do you you like Snickers? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's my favorite favorite candy bar. Yeah, Snickers are good. And I mean, and there was other things that she said too. But a lot of it really were just were just sounds, and most people that have vocal tics, they're just sounds, just like phonic sounds, like the F sound or just an S sound or something that would almost sound like a really bad stutter. If someone was just trying to talk and they did that, it would sound like a like a really long stutter. But yeah. Well, when you see it on the movies, they're usually screaming obscenity. So Snickers is a much better alternative, I think. And and she had some of that too. She had a, she had a little bit of that. That's called coprolalia. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what Tourette's is probably most famous for. But it's actually a very, very rare thing. It's that's, like that's, less than 10% of people that have it actually have the yeah. coprolalia and the cussing of it and everything. Yeah, because that's kind of the caricature that you see portrayed. And so that's only about 10 But I didn't know that Tourette's also came with uh, the physical tics like you were having as well. So you go to you go to Texas Children's and they admit you to the hospital. Is that because of the vocal tics or were there other physical tics as well? No, like I was I was doing like back bends and I just was hitting myself and I was my neck was just not able to stand still. It was just always twitching. It was either throwing it back and forth. It was just twitching. I, it was a lot of different things. So they were just like, you know what, we're going to just go ahead and keep you here for a while. Right. The, the the idea of it was her tics were just so constant and every part of her body just tremor, you know, had tremors and shakes and everything. And even at night too, right? There's There wasn't any Right. Relief. Even at night when she, would, when she would try to sleep, she would still, you know, be twitching, you know, especially in her arms and then like wow. arching and popping her back and stuff. But uh, the idea was they were going to try to stabilize her, you know, and find out what she needed, kind of start reducing this before we went home the first time. But the problem was it, you know, it was a week later and she was, we were in the hospital and she was still having, you know, these episodes. Wow. The first time when we left the hospital, kind of had a good day. Which is a common thing with Tourette's. It, it'll be real bad, and then you'll have a day where you don't have any ticks hardly, you know, or just a big reduction. And so when she had that first day where she didn't have any ticks, they they were ready to send us home. And they're like, oh, we've done our job. Now you guys can go home. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was, it was pretty much, I mean, we thought they had really done something for her, and she was yeah. a lot better. Because that was like after a week of steroid treatment. Yeah, there was it was a long week of every kind of treatment and pills testing. and testing and steroid treatments. And it was a lot. So we thought in all that, something must have worked. But it was maybe within two days, she was right back to where she was, to where she would have these tick attacks that would last 45 minutes or an hour. And then she would like pass out. Wow. And then was she still twitching like when she passed out or did I this is how I like to tell people it's like if you just had a bunch of uh, oscillating fans and you kept plugging the fans in to the same outlet and then got an extension cord and plugged more in each one of those fans is like a part of her body that would be moving. And eventually if you got one you get too many plugged in it's like the breaker just flips. Yeah. You overload it. So she would just yeah, she would just basically overload her wiring and then just fall out for a second. And it would it would take a few minutes for her to kind of recoup, which was basically like having a seizure. So at this point, then we start thinking, well, you know, she's having seizures. So we went back to Texas Children's and went into the epilepsy monitoring unit and then a whole other round of tests and everything, which we did for a while. This was just a back and forth. Texas children. In the meantime, they were prescribing a lot of different medicines, you know, all kinds of medicines from benzodiazepines to like mono monoamine inhibitors. 
which your monoamines are like your dopamine and your serotonin and ephedrine and stuff, your neurotransmitter. So with the combination of all that, it really didn't stop her her tics very much, Mm -hmm. but it was doing a lot of other things to her. Well, it's probably causing some other health problems, right? Because those are some pretty intense pharmaceuticals. Right. It was starting to cause some liver complications. She had been on medicines for a while now at this point you know they just they just kept they just kept adding more and more pills and to the point where she was at taking 11 pills a day right about the time of her 15th birthday she was up to about 11 pills a day so how many times do you think you went to the hospital or ended up having to stay at texas children's over this period of time in the fall of 2017, like right around Hurricane Harvey, right before and right after Harvey, we were in the hospital for two long periods of time, like most of uh, October and September of 2017. Now, at one point, your tics got so bad that you couldn't even go to school, right? Yeah, that was this time. <laughs> yeah, this this was like a while before this. And there were days that she would have to stay home. And then went, but then after a while, like right after about the first week of ninth grade, we had to just pull her out of school. Yeah. I remember I was able to go to my first cross-country meet of the season, and then that was it. I went to that meet, and then the next week I couldn't even go to school. Wow. It was, yeah, so she actually went to school on a webcam. They call it the robot. They would move it around to each of her classes, and she could see in the classroom and the teacher and the teacher could communicate with her. So it was kind of like she was at school. Yeah, they actually plugged a pair of headphones into the robot so that you couldn't hear me unless you put those headphones on. Because, yeah, even even over the webcam, her, her tics were disruptive to the class. Yeah. Were you still yelling Snickers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That just recently stopped. It just really stopped. I don't even know. I mean, I guess it did stop a little while ago. Yeah, it's, it, it's been stopped a while. The one the one sound that she still makes is kind of a click sound, and she doesn't do that very often. Still there. She, her, her Tourette's is not totally cured. It's manageable now. Yeah. Before, even with all the medicine that they could throw at her, her symptoms were not manageable to where she had any quality of life. Yeah. She was taking all this medicine, but yet she was still having to stay home from school, still kind of being ostracized because she, you know, she couldn't go and do the things the other kids were doing. Yeah, I can't even, I couldn't even go into our local grocery store without getting weird looks from old ladies because I was, you know, saying stuff. (laughs) Yeah, making a bunch of noise and, you know, her head would just shake all the time constantly and so it, it was hard yeah she could go places but it was hard on her because yeah. a lot of people were not exactly understanding or even familiar with what what was going on and you know at the as it started you know we didn't know my wife and I we didn't know what was going on and it was not probably until that second trip to Texas Children's, where we officially got the Tourette diagnosis. Because at this point, we had seen several doctors, and the doctor looked at it and said, you know, this has been going on. Y'all been trying to work on this for a while. He said, I'm going to just go ahead and call it what I think it is, and that's Tourette syndrome. You have to have been having vocal and motor tics 
for more than a year to get a diagnosis of Tourette syndrome. You start out with just what's called transient tic disorder, and then you'll move. As it progresses, you get a diagnosis of provisional tic disorder. So we went from neurologist to neurologist to Texas Children's for a while with just a diagnosis of provisional tic disorder and trying to figure out what was causing it. The problem is there's no like test to just, you take a blood test and we find out you have Tourette syndrome, excuse me. It's not that easy. They have to basically rule out so many other things first. And so it's actually a hard diagnosis to get. So during this time when she's having to go to school at home through the webcam, now, Stacey, your mom is a teacher, right? So is she still teaching and dad staying home or how does that work? Or or are you at home by yourself? It was... um... My dad stayed home with me, and I sat there, and I watched my class on the computer, and my mom still taught at the elementary school, and my dad was kind of my teacher, because I couldn't go to tutoring, so I had to listen to what he thought was the right answer. And <laughs> How'd that work out for you? I mean, I passed, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You passed. We were really worried that with all the time in the hospital and all the absences, yeah, they were going to not give her credit for ninth grade. But it was something that we we give her a lot of credit for because it was a struggle. That's pretty impressive. I'm I'm not the best teacher in the world, (laughs) and uh, not only that, but we're here, and I'm here. I work on on the ranch here around the house most of the time. Mm So sometimes I was I was in here with her, but a lot of times I was out doing stuff, and she basically did have to learn a lot of it on her own. Biology is hard, is all I gotta say. And yeah, and it was you know biology and algebra and stuff like that. It was not always easy. Yeah, she really did a good job of trying to keep up with it, it and it was she had a determination. Yeah, to fight this, whatever it was. And I, you know, I know. A lot of times she wasn't exactly sure what was going on with her. None of us were, was, but she was uh, very determined to get through it. Yeah, that's a pretty impressive feat to really have that determination and stick to to power on. Because, you know, you lose a lot of time and when you're in the hospital and then just have to come back and make it all up. Uh, that's that's pretty impressive, Stacy. Yeah. I, I can't believe I did it. <laughs> Honestly. So let me ask you this, Greg. Okay, so you're you're going along and your daughter is having all these contortions and you're spending a lot of time in the hospital. She's having to go to school on a webcam. And you live in a small town. I'm kind of from a small town myself. What in the world put cannabis on your radar? Because a few years ago, that would not have been on my radar either. I mean, it was basically just out of left field. One of the times we were up at Texas Children's, she was in a pretty bad condition, and I just made up my mind that I was going to learn everything I could about Tourette syndrome and tic disorders. And uh, I started with the uh, Tourette's Association of America. I started with their website. And they have a thing on there where you can uh, click on the category of research and medical. And it uh, has a bunch of articles about the latest research and medical treatments for Tourette's, which are complicated because everybody kind of has a different body and body chemistry. 
And so we go to these Tourette's court groups and you can have a dozen people there and everybody in the room is taking a different medicine. Yeah. With different levels of success. And a lot of times some of them are taking nothing because they've tried everything and they don't like the way, you know, this or that works. But uh, I was on the Tourette's Association website and I read an article called Finally Something to Shout About. And it was talking about some new research they had been funding on cannabis treatment of Tourette's. And I just thought something that, you know, I just, is that, did I really read that right? You know, one of those things. What? You mean marijuana's for something else? Right. You know, it was like, I just thought, well, you know, that's something that maybe we need to look into because by this time we were kind of running out of options. And one of the options that, was kind of out there that we hadn't tried deep brain stimulation as parents me and my wife didn't like the idea of brain surgery and as a patient i absolutely was never in a million years going to try that (laughs) (laughs) so tell me what is deep brain stimulation because i i don't know i i have like my what i think it might be but Tell me, tell me for sure what it is. Okay, deep brain stimulation is where they basically put little tiny electrodes into your brain, into d- different areas of your brain, and stimulate it electronically to function properly. I mean, I'm not a brain surgeon, so I can't. But it's basically kind of maybe like a pacemaker for your brain, and it is something that has been used to treat Parkinson's disease mainly. Mm-hmm. but also Tourette's. And Tourette's and Parkinson's are both disorders of the basal ganglia. So they kind of have some overlapping, not only symptoms, but overlapping treatments. And that's that's one of them. So that's what r- deep brain stimulation is, is basically by, by means of drilling a hole and surgically implanting an electronic device. And then you have to wear on a harness as a controller for the device to turn it on and off. And not only is it you know, brain surgery, but it's something that may work for a while and then may have to be retuned or, you know, readjusted. And so it's... Yeah. I mean, we know someone who went through it and she has to go back in a few months and get it. Like, I guess the way she put it, it was kind of like a new battery for it to keep it working. Well, it kind of depends. But I think in Stacy's case, as many ticks as she had probably would have had to have like multiple, you know, devices put into her brain. And so, so we were really just worried about it. It was not something that the idea they, you know, they say it's safe as they say with every surgery, but with every surgery, there's a risk. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you could always be that person who had the complications, especially when, uh, it's brain surgery. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's deep brain stimulation. And so I, it just scared us. It, it really scared us. And so we were just desperately trying to find some other treatment that we hadn't tried yet. And the cannabis treatment just basically fell out of the sky when I started reading the articles on uh, the Tourette's Association website. So you're like, all right, we'll try this before we try brain surgery, which I think using a natural plant is better than brain surgery. So (laughs) how did y'all find a source? One of the times that she was in Texas Children's, she spent time in what what they call the epilepsy monitoring unit. At that time, which was this, and this was all like in the same 
couple of days, week or two that I was, you know, starting to find out about the cannabis oil treatment. I mean, even the idea of cannabis could help her. You got to keep in mind, she was like 14, just turning 15 at this time. And smoking marijuana was not really an option that we were considering. Yeah. But all this was coming about about this cannabis oil for seizures and epilepsy. And uh, we actually came across a company in Colorado that had an epilepsy outreach program. And we were able to talk to them and see about getting some medicine shipped here for us. Okay. And we didn't talk to anyone in our small town at first about it. Yeah. Then there was also, when I first started looking into it, there was a doctor up there in Colorado that we were uh, at the the Rocky Mountain Movement Disorder Clinic, which we were thinking about taking her to. It was just the logistics of her. She couldn't go on a plane and... The car ride would have been terrible. But then after we contacted them and talked to them, they said, well, we can just ship you some full-spectrum high CBD oil uh-huh. to see what that what happens with that. And so we were uh, definitely willing to try $70 bottle of plant oil over a $100,000 brain surgery. Yes, that may or may not work. <laughs> that may or may not work. And at that time, the, the the cannabis oil may or may not work, but it was a lot bigger, a lot less of a risk if it didn't. Yes. Yeah, you've lost you seventy know, bucks. We weren't, we weren't we weren't out anything if if it didn't work. Yeah. So they shipped you the the high CBD. Now, was this um how much THC did this have in her? Was it still that point three percent THC? The very first that we gave her was a point three. The 0.3 percent, like the the what you can buy and get shipped legally. Yeah. And here at at the time here in Texas, the compassionate use program hasn't even started yet. The licenses hadn't been given out. Yeah. But even still, Tourette's wasn't considered a qualifying condition. Right. Yeah. And even if it even if it had had started, it wouldn't. So there wasn't really any way to get it from a doctor or talk to the doctor about it or anything really yet here. It was kind of one of those things we just had to try. Yeah, absolutely. And we had heard from some other people in other states that had tried it and said it was worth trying. And we thought, like I said, it's no risk to try it. Right. So Stacy, the first time they gave you the CBD oil, did you, how did that go for you? It was, honestly, it was like a miracle because I went from, Doing all this stuff, like hitting myself and jerking my head around nonstop, constantly saying Snickers and other things, and just doing all this stuff to taking a few drops and being able to just relax, honestly. And I was so worn out that I was just like, all right, well, I'm going to sleep now. So. <laughs> After about 30 minutes, she just was like, can I go lay down? Yeah. That was the first night in probably six months that she was, was able to just lay down and go to sleep and sleep the whole night. Yeah, because it hard, it's hard to, like, sleep when my tics are, like, really bad because uh-huh. I just can't relax. There's just, I can't. So how long after you took the drops orally did it take for these symptoms to start subsiding? Honestly, like, five minutes or less. It was wow. Really quick. Wow. Yeah, like... 
pretty immediate. It was within five to ten minutes. It was very noticeable. Wow, that's awesome. That, you know, something was different all of a sudden. Yeah. So, I mean, it didn't, it, it was, you know, it was a sublingual tincture, and we just told her to hold it in your mouth for as long as you can without swallowing it. And I think she swallowed it after two or three minutes, but within about 10 minutes, you could really tell that she was starting to just relax. And she, you know, her ticks just stopped. Her ticks just kind of just went away. You know, we were expecting them to just come right back, you know, a few minutes, and then they would just flow back. But after about 30 minutes, she just wanted to go lay down. And we said, go lay down. And she slept all night. Yeah. So how long did it take for the ticks to start coming back? Was she was able to sleep all night long? Yeah, they were, they came back the next day. Yeah, the next morning <laughs> I woke up and I was like, oh, this again. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's a, you know, it's a treatment. It's not a cure. But now that she's been taking it for a while, I think she has more of a buildup in her system. She can kind of go a little bit longer sometimes. Yeah. But at first, it was six to eight hours. If you took a took a big dose, she could go maybe six or eight hours. Yeah, and be pretty stable. At some point, did y'all transition to to using something with more THC? Yeah, we did because uh, the re and the research shows that for Tourette's syndrome, you need the THC. Okay, you need the THC to bind to those CB1 receptors. And the entourage effect and all that is perfect for Tourette's syndrome. But when we first gave her just the high CBD, low THC oil, mm -hmm. she was still on the medicine. All the medicines they were given for her ticks are very mind-altering drugs, you know. And she was having some issues with depression and just some weird things going on. And so we... Yeah, it's I remember the last medic, like pharmaceutical medicine that the um, one of the doctors had me on. I think I had every single side effect that the prescription said. Hey, if you're having right. these things, you need to stop immediately. But the doctor was like, "Hey, I think you should just yeah." Up they the they raised the doses a couple oh times. Oh my gosh! Even uh, though even though she was having some negative side effects. And it was, you know, because none of no one could figure out why her tigs weren't getting any better. And they were just constantly getting worse. So back to the THC, we didn't want to give her the THC until we got her off of everything else. And those medicines are the ones that you can't just stop taking. Yes. Once you've been taking for months and it's at such a high dose. So we just didn't feel comfortable giving her anything with THC in it right at first because we were just scared, you know, yeah. it was, our, it was our little daughter and she had already been through all this. I mean, we were, we were just scared, even though we had seen the effects of the cannabis oil. Yeah. And it, the fact that it was full spectrum, it did have just that tiny percentage of THC. It was able to, to help when we first gave her a dose of high THC, low CBD. It, it was a couple of weeks after she had just been taking the uh, high CBD. We kind of switched and she was off the medicine. And uh, that first day, I mean, she didn't have like any ticks, any noticeable signs for probably about eight hours. Wow. Yeah. Least. I mean, I pretty much remember I was 
able to like go outside and see like my horses and stuff without like spooking them because I'm yelling right at them and stuff. Yeah, that was one of the best days I remember having through that whole time period. It was that first day that we gave her the THC because not only was the cannabis oil working, but then like now all of a sudden it man it's working a lot better. So it was something you know it was not an easy decision for parents to make. Yeah. Especially us, you know, we're in a small town. Drugs are not really acceptable. Mm-hmm. In our family, just drugs have not been acceptable. I mean, that's not something that we want for our kids. But the reality of it is, if she didn't have this, she would be totally disabled and have to stay at home under constant care. Yeah, because you and guys couldn't baby- really leave her alone, right? Right? No, we we couldn't leave her alone. And it was like to a point where my room is upstairs. I had to move into the guest room downstairs. I wasn't even really allowed in my own room. I wow. had to stay downstairs. It but wasn't that she wasn't allowed in her own room. It was the effort that it took to get her up and down the stairs without her falling down the stairs. Because I'm already a clumsy person. (laughs) I mean, it's one thing to have a handrail coming down the stairs, but it's another thing if you can't hold on to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She had really bad, like, tremors in her hands and stuff, and her hands would make stay in weird positions and contorted positions. So sometimes she would go, like, days to where she'd, like, didn't really have control of her hands. So she couldn't feed herself either, or she couldn't hold a cup and take a drink. Wow. So it wasn't just that she had to be watched so she didn't fall down and hurt herself. And she couldn't do anything for herself, too, a lot of times. I'm sure that was probably pretty frustrating for you, huh, Stacy? It was really frustrating. I don't even know how to really describe it, except for it was just she was, frustrating. She was, she was missing out on her life when all of her friends were becoming teenagers and going into high school and doing all the stuff that teenagers do. She was at it, home, at home, literally in the state of a baby. Yeah, She had to be cared for in every way. What was the doctor's response when you guys went back the, for a checkup and you're off all the meds and she's not having the tremors and the vocal tics? What was the doctor's response? He walked into the room and said, oh, I see you're doing much better. I told you that medicine would work eventually. (laughs) And then we said, well, you see, it's not your medicine that's working. And then we told him and he pretty much, he couldn't help us anymore. There wasn't anything he could do to, I mean, he didn't tell us that we should stop it, but he's like, I can't really help y'all here. So. Because I think technically they're supposed to be like automatic reporters with CPS, I think. Right. It, it, you know, kind of, that was part of the problem with him. I don't think it was that he didn't totally want to be a part of it, but at that point he couldn't in any way like take her blood or any kind of run any kind of test because as soon as it would show that she had THC in her system, the hospital policy is that it's to be automatically reported. You have doctor patient confidentiality, but if the doctor works for the a big hospital like that, then you have doctor-patient-hospital relationship. And if the hospital has a policy of anytime there's any kind of illegal drugs that has to be reported to the police, that keeps the doctor from 
being able to have anything to do with any kind of cannabis treatment. Because like I said, even at that time, the Compassionate Youth Program hadn't even started. So there was there was no way to even get around it at that point to try to say, oh, well, hey, we need to just get her into the program. It was, if you're doing this, it's totally going to be on your own. Which was frustrating for us because when we went to see him, it was literally like within the first week, you know, we called and said, hey, we got to come in and... We went in there, he walked right in and looked at her. One look, she was, she was just sitting there normal and he got a big smile on his face. And here we were, we were happy to show him the medicine. We brought the bottle and showed it to him. And he opened he, it up. And his, yeah, he yeah. opened it and looked at it and smelled it. And he was glad that it was helping, but he just knew he was in a position to where he couldn't be involved with it or, or he'd get fired, you know? He, there would be rep, repercussions for him and he, he just couldn't be involved in it. And this is when you guys were just still using the high CBD strain, right? Yeah, this was, like I said, this was like the first couple of days we went in there. Even with a, with a high CBD, low THC, he couldn't do anything about it because, like I said, it was it was even before they had started the, the program. It's really a shame because... How many other patients was he seeing that that he couldn't really help and tell them, hey, this is working for my other patients because of federal right. regulations? Gosh. And, and he, he told us, he said, you know, I don't think that you're the first patient I've ever had that's used marijuana. He said, but you're the first ones that have come in and brought the bottle and said, here, this is what we did. This is how... This is how much we've taken. And he said it was kind of a shock to him that we came in and admitted it because because people try to hide it so much. And you have to. You basically have to. Right. And we thought, well, we don't want to have to hide it because if it helped her so much, because we had already spent a lot of time up there on the ninth floor at the Texas Children's and thought, you know, hey, if this helped us, there's there's other kids up here that it could be helping. And so we we felt it was our duty to to go in there and and say it. I would feel that it, I do feel the same way, but I think I would feel that way even even more than I do now if if it had helped my child in such a miraculous fashion. Right. It was one of those things that on one hand we were scared for people to know, but on the other hand, we wanted to tell everyone with Tourette and Parkinson's and Huntington's disease, hey, you need to try this because there's something that the doctors aren't telling you. You're actually a, uh, is it a spokes spokesperson, sp- you know, representative for the Tourette's Association? Is that right, Stacey? It's a, I'm a youth ambassador. Okay. And so what all does that entail, being a youth ambassador? Well, basically, last, I mean, this March, I went to Washington, D.C., to go through a training and they told me that my job, my duty is basically, well, they didn't tell me, I already knew this when I signed up, but (laughs) my duty is to tell schools and spread awareness and talk to politicians and just everyone and just spread awareness to anyone who will listen. So did you get, did you spend any time in Austin during the most recent legislative session? Oh, yeah. I missed a lot of school because I was in Austin a lot. How does that go? Do you go in and talk to the politicians individually or do you talk to them in a big group of them or, or how does that normally work out for you? We went into every office we could and we talked to mostly staffers for the most part. 
but we talked we were able to talk to a few house representatives and yeah i was able to talk to a few house representatives and uh senator staffers and house staffers but yeah we did it like individually we just walked into their office and we're like hey <laughs> yeah yeah we mostly individually um she she made a lot of visits to um I mean, Austin I with Austin with us. She even one day, she got a note. We did a press conference with Eddie Lucio over the HB thirteen sixty five, and he actually uh, wrote her a note to Miss School. Yeah, he wrote me a school <laughs> note. Oh, that's that, awesome. That said, yeah. you know, she was helping him at the Capitol. Yeah, day. there's probably not anybody so, uh, else in school that got that excuse, right? Right. Right. He took a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, I think he was just, <laughs> just as happy about it as she was. She's she's made some good friends at the Capitol, and I know you know your House representative is the same as ours, Trent Ashby. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know we met with him several times, and you know she got to meet with him and several others. So mostly we met with the staffers, but she did get to have some make some personal relationships with some of the legislators. That's great. And I think it helped. So was it was it kind of scary going in the first time to talk to somebody, or had you kind of been prepped during your, your training in Washington, D.C.? Well, yeah, my training in Washington, D.C. included a meeting with Ted Cruz. So Okay, all right. How did that go? Uh, we stood in a long line and took a picture with him. <laughs> and then my dad talked to him about tacos and Dr. Pepper. But it was... Yeah. I mean, it went pretty good. I had a great time trying to advocate in Washington, D.C., and I think it did help a lot when I went to Austin. Yeah, when we went to Washington, D.C., there was three Tourette's Tourette's kids with us. and Three for Ted Cruz and then Bianca left. Well, yeah. So my point was going to be that we had the three kids there. All three had Tourette's, and none of them were on pharmaceutical medicines. All of them were doing alternatives. Stacy was doing cannabis oil. Hayden was taking no treatments right now mm-hmm. because he the side effects of the medication that he had been on were so bad. I mean, he did Botox to reduce the ticks in right. his neck. But yeah, sometimes they'll even they'll even shoot Botox into the nerve to where it kills it so much to try to keep it from, you know, having ticks. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy things like that that just are unnecessary. They don't work and it's unnecessary. And so Bianca, the other one, she uses like uh, what's called a dental orthotic. And it's a thing that goes in, you bite down on it, and it creates pressure on a certain nerve. It seems to be working really well for the the point we try to make when we were in Washington That is that, you know, the medicines that are out there, they're dangerous and, and they don't really work. And the fact that here's the kids that are most active in the Tourette, Texas, and they're not even on the medicine that's FDA approved. Because it doesn't work. And that's a real problem for the Tourette's community. The doctors are kind of just out there trying to treat the symptoms. They don't really have the tools that they need to to treat the tick disorders when they get really severe. Yeah, and if, if they're doing, like you said, just trying to treat the symptoms, that, that doesn't help the, the root cause, you know. Are you back in school now? And I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, ma'am, I am. I was able to come back. I think it was end of February, beginning of March, my freshman year, and then finished that my freshman year up. I went my whole entire sophomore year, and now I'm a junior. And so far, so good, I guess. Still trucking along. That's awesome. Yeah. What has been the response of your community to you using this THC cannabis oil? I would say not everybody knows exactly what she's using. Plenty of people know that she used cannabis oil. We don't necessarily go into the specifics of, you know, because she's used several different doses over the last two years. Yeah, for the most part, I use just the high CBD for the most part. Right. Okay. Um, So we just try not to make it an issue. In a small town, a lot of people knew, knew that she was in such a bad condition and now that she's been back in the community and things, people ask. And for the most part, people just are glad that she's better. Yeah. You know, it, it, we really haven't had an issue to where anyone has, like, looked down on us for using that. It's kind of one of those things that, you know, we don't try to, like, make a big deal about it. Especially, like, with the other kids at school. We don't really want the other kids at school to know because, you know, we don't want to get blown out of proportion, you know what she's doing it, it's medicine it's not recreational in any way for her but those kind of things when when you're dealing with the other kids at school it's hard to convince them of that <laughs> so it's kind of one of those things that uh, we try not to make it a big deal for everybody to know but when people ask we tell them and also we were pretty surprised too that right at the time that we kind of started thinking about it there were also people around town that kind of called us and said, hey, you know, we heard Stacey was having some issues. This is what you should try, this cannabis oil. And so it was kind of surprising that there was more people around here that had heard about it. And most of it, they were they were talking about for like seizures and stuff, uh, because that's what most people thought, that she was just having seizures. They didn't realize it was just a whole thing of a, all kinds of different stuff that make up Tourette syndrome. So it was surprising that a couple of times in the places where you'd least expect it, <laughs> someone would call and suggest it. It was uh, it's good to know that not everybody was against it. And certainly the fact that it helped her, we hadn't had any problems with people not being just glad that it helped her. Now, in addition to going back to school, you've actually been able to kind of resume extracurricular activities as well, right? Yes, ma'am. I remember... Actually, when I first went back to school, I was able to pretty much jump right back into things, and I started off with FFA, and I actually made it to state with the competition right as soon as I got back. That's great. Milk quality, and then I was able to make it onto my varsity choir at my school. That's amazing. So with your with your FFA, because I was in FFA way back when I was in high school, much many more years than I like to admit. Do you do any of the public speaking type stuff, or is it mostly just showing animals? Well, I do show animals. I tried for ag issues this year, but unfortunately I didn't make it. Um, But for the most part, I do milk quality. I do the LDE, I mean CDEs instead of the LDEs. And uh, she also does like swine quiz bowl. She's been on a pretty successful swine quiz bowl team. They hadn't quite won state yet. But they've uh, made it there. They've made it there. 
And uh, that's a big accomplishment with uh, the state of Texas. That is. That's a. There's a lot of people that compete, and uh, it's something that she shows pigs for 4-H and FFA. She's. Yeah, you know, they've been doing it for a while. But uh, when she went back to school, they went. She went right back to doing all that stuff, and she she was able to get back in it. Just like I said again, just she had the will to to get her life back, and that was the biggest thing I think. You seem like a very determined young woman. I try to be. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody else listens to this podcast and they have Tourette's or they have a child with Tourette's or some of these kind of associated conditions, what are some resources that you guys would recommend they they go check out? Well, um, we have a group that's called Tourette's Texas. It's uh, basically a Texas chapter of the Tourette's Association of America. But we kind of do our own thing, too. And you can get any kind of resources you need, any kind of help through Cheryl Cadman is the executive director. Uh And she lives for these Tourette's kids. I mean any kind of resources that need if you need someone to come talk to the school she'll come or she can send somebody in the area we have support groups basically all over the state here where we are kind of uh central east texas there's not too many of them we actually go to the woodland support group but i would say start there with tourette's texas I'll put a link in the show notes page so it'll be easy for people to find. I would say that would be the first step and like try to get into one of the support groups and just go to one of the meetings and, you know, you'll meet people there who are dealing with the same, same kind of issue. And Every- it's great for the kids to go to like the kids with Tourette's because then you get to meet someone and you know that you're not alone. You're not the only one that's going through this. Yeah. Kind of a sense of community instead of you're just out here floating on the breeze all alone. Right, and it's real family-oriented. You know, it's one of those things that these, when you have the support groups, it's bring the whole family and everybody will talk about issues if we need to talk about issues, or if not, we'll just eat pizza and have fun. You know, and sometimes we have pool parties, and like we were talking about earlier, we had a thing at Morgan's Wonderland in San Antonio. But it's also a great reference of doctors and medications and treatment options i would really suggest if somebody was out there and they're thinking that they may have a tick disorder that would be a good place for resources for just information even if you just wanted to read up or if you know somebody and you wanted to find out you know ways you could help them but it's also good for help with the school because even though kids that with Tourette's they're not necessarily disabled in the same way like a kid that would be in a wheelchair is. There's also things that could be made easier for them at at school. Right. And if if you have a special needs kid, you need to get a 504 plan. That's just uh, a plan of what their problem is and what kind of special needs they might have. And it's just things like that. They're, They're good with helping out with stuff like that. And also the Tourette's Association of America. I would say, you know, look on their website. That's that's kind of where I got the information about the cannabis treatment. Uh-huh. But there's, they've got all kinds of things on their website where you can, you know, read about treatments and find out about doctors and, you know, just what's going on, events and 
fundraisers and all kinds of stuff. Now, if somebody wanted to have Stacy come and, and share her story in person, would they reach out to Tourette's Texas or? You could re- reach out to Tourette's Texas or you could, you know, contact me if you wanted to. Uh, okay. And I can, you know, give my contact information if you want. Uh, I don't know if you put it out there, if you want me to just say my my number. Well, let's not put it out there just in case. Let's say that if somebody <laughs> wants to get in touch with you, they can email me and I'll make sure it's okay with you for me to pass that information along to them. That's what I've done in the past with other guests. Yeah, that's fine. Anything. Since she's been a part of this ambassador program, we've had people get in touch with us in a lot of different ways. Mostly like through Facebook. Yeah, a lot of times through Facebook. Someone will send my wife like a message on Facebook. A lady just recently put, posted a comment on a newspaper article, like on the newspaper website. The local paper here in town had done a story about Stacy, and uh, someone posted a comment on the newspaper's website about, "Oh, I wish I could get you to come talk to my son's school and this and that." Uh-huh. So we just happened to see that comment and reached out to her. And now maybe Stacy's going to go talk to her child's school. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, he just went to junior high. And junior high, I think, is when the ticks a lot of times are the worst. And it's also the most awkward time, I think, for kids, yeah. you know, trying to fit in. And so if you're kind of dealing with it on your own, it can be really tough at that age. And uh-huh. So, I mean, there's just any way somebody can get a hold of us. Or, like I said, Cheryl Cadman at Texas. Okay. Somebody will be happy to come and help. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I just, I hate to put your phone number out there <laughs> yeah. and you get yeah. spanned with a lot of calls or whatever. So if folks will just reach out to me, I'll, I'll uh, get with you and pass along contact information. Yeah, that, that would be great. And you know, I have, I have no problems with you giving out my number if someone's okay. calling wanting to want some help about tick disorders or anything. Thanks again, you guys, for coming on. I will let you get back to resume your Sunday evening. You know, have a little downtime before we're back in the grind tomorrow. I hope you have a great evening. All right, you too. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Show notes for today's episode can be found out at CannabisHillsby.com slash 68. We will not have a Thursday episode this week. I've got a tax filing deadline on Monday. So it's going to be kind of a crazy week. And the Monday episode may be a little late. We may have to push that back to maybe like Tuesday or something. Just depending on how quickly I'm able to get everything done for the tax filing deadline. Because the IRS waits for no man. And I know you, my wonderful, patient, faithful listeners will be happy to wait an extra day to get an episode of the Cannabis Sales Me podcast. Thanks again for listening, guys. We really appreciate all your support, and we will continue to bring you quality content as time allows. Have a great week. Thanks. Bye. Hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you're using. You have a suggestion for a guest on Cannabis Heals Me? Send an email to podcast at CannabisHealsMe.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Cannabis Heals Me or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments.